really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. Well, as we said, welcome. Half-term week is always a funny week. People take the opportunity to disappear, go elsewhere, have terrible things like holidays and all of those things, which really disrupts church life, but we'll forgive you for that. If you're watching online, as I know some of you are, um, we're, we're glad to have you. I, I know some of our friends from around the world will catch up with this. Um, in a few minutes, as part of the message, we're, we're going to be having communion together. So if you're at home, I encourage you to, to make preparation for that, and you can have communion with us. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into God's word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word that gives us truth, that gives us light, that gives us help, that gives us hope. And we pray, as we continue in this series, that you would help us just become more like Jesus. That's, that's what you're wanting to do in our life. That's your purpose. That's your work. That's your will. So we pray as we listen to your word this morning uh, that you'll help us take that next step forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. There will be activity packs in a few minutes. The kids, I'm going to need your help. Uh, and some of the adults as well. Krista, we have the, the handheld because that could prove useful uh, as well for people reading out some scriptures. Our daily life is filled with so-called trivial decisions. You know, do we get out of bed straight away or do we hit the snooze button again? <laughs> that, that's an easy one, isn't it? <laughs> hit the snooze button again. Sometimes even twice, Steve. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm glad we're on the same boat. What should we eat for breakfast? I'm glad we had boys. We never had this issue. What are you going to wear? You know, I, I see parents traumatized with girls because they go through a whole wardrobe trying to figure out what they're going to wear in the mornings. We have decisions to make about where we're going to live, where we're going to work, how to spend money, who to have as friends, relationships. And if we're honest, if we're under pressure or stressed, some of those even basic decisions can seem overwhelming, can't they? You kind of get up in the morning, oh, well, I have to decide, do I wash my hair, do I not wash my hair, all of those kind of things. William James was one of the greatest thinkers of the 18th and 19th century. And one of the things he came up with, he said, in order to minimize part of that stress, part of that daily problem of decision making, he says, develop good habits. That's the key to taking away some of that pressure of even some of the, the basic decision makings. If any of you are, are fans of the, the Big Bang Theory that was on, you know that Sheldon used to basically have the same clothes in the wardrobe. He didn't want to think about even what to wear. And there's some executives that'll have kind of the, basically the same suits. They don't think about those things. They, they want their brain to be used for something more complex. But even for us as Christians, and investing our, our time in habits, the, the mean we can release our, our mental effort and even our heart, can stop us wasting time. 
And, and for us, or followers of Christ, there are spirits, uh, spiritual habits that can really help us. Over the last few weeks, uh, the team have been looking at this passage uh, about life's healing choices. And I think we can make those choices because what do our choices become? Habits. Our, our daily choices, the things that we choose to do every day, become our habits. And not all habits are bad. We can make good habits and we, we can make good spiritual habits. So I've asked a, a number of people who are going to read. So we're going to do this sequentially. So who's number one? Rose, would you start uh, and go round? So number one is Mike. So, so these are some of the choices that we have that are good habits. Thank you, Mike. Please read the verse. Uh, this is Matthew 5, verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And that's the reality that we have to come to, that, that we're dependent on God, that actually we're spiritually poor. Before God, we don't bring anything of ourselves. No matter our titles in this world, no matter our positions, the reality is we all come to this table exactly the same. We all need grace. We all need God's mercy. So that's the reality choice we have to come to God with, recognizing our, our need on him. Who's got number two? Go ahead, Sophie. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Matthew 5, verse 4. And one of the mistakes we make with that is that we think that's simply uh, mourning over the loss of someone. But in, in the Bible context, that's not what Jesus is saying, though he does offer comfort for those who mourn and those who are brokenhearted. But in this context, what he's talking about is those who recognize their need of God, recognize their dependence on God, and are coming to him saying, God, I'm going to mourn for my sin. I'm going to mourn for the, the condition I see in my own heart. Because if we come to God in reality, we soon find out, actually, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? But God says he can cleanse our heart. And so we come and that mourning is the choice of hope. Not that we despair that we're miserable sinners and God couldn't love us and we're worms. No, that the hope of the good news of, of, of the message of Christ is that we have grace, we have mercy, that the answer actually is Jesus, but we need to come to that place of mourning for our sin. And I'm not sure we always recognize that, but the Bible says there is a time to mourn as well as a time to rejoice. Number three, who's got number three? Right at the back, thank you, Rose. You're getting your steps in today. It's great, huh? Thank me later. Number three. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 5. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. So that's the commitment choice, because it's so easy to be proud, isn't it? It's so easy to be offended. It's so easy to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. There's also the opposite extreme, where people can think too lowly of themselves. So humility is not thinking of ourselves less than we should. It's thinking of ourselves less often. It's not having confidence in ourselves. It's having that commitment to remain humble before God. And, and Jesus was gentle and humble in heart, even though he was the son of God. And the Bible says all power and authority is given to him. And yet Jesus remained humble. And how he treated people was evidence of that. Number four. Who's got number four? Go ahead, Chris. Matthew 5 verse 6, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. 
So some versions talk, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Justice is a good way of looking at it because justice is, is not only in our own hearts, in our relationship, but in the world in which we live. And do we have a passion for that or, or do we kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, what can I do? Well, we can do what we can do. We may not be able to do everything, but we can all do something. We can all have that hunger for righteousness. And the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. That's why it's always right to pray for those in authority. It's always right to pray for the government, whether they're our particular color or our particular flavor or not. It's right to pray for those in in religious authority and political authority as well. If we want to see those changes. Number five. Who's got number five? God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Matthew 5, verse 7. Merciful. Let's be honest, we all need mercy at some point, don't we? We do. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute and the correlation with that. So if we have received mercy, and the Bible says we have, then we need to be people of mercy. And Bev unpacked that a little bit a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to pick up on that again as well. So we have to be people of mercy. And we have to demonstrate that to others because, let's be honest, we all make mistakes. Yes? We all get things wrong. So we need mercy. Number six. Who's got number six? God blesses those who, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Matthew 5, 5 verse 8. So if we want to see God work in our own life, in our church, in our nation, then there has to be holiness. And I I know that's not a very popular word. It's not a very trendy word. But it's the character and nature of God. We looked at that last week. God by his very nature is holy. God is also love. But he's a holy God. And he expects his people to live with that standard of holiness because it's his character. And if we're reflecting that, then we reflect his character. In fact, his very spirit is called the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8 verses 14 to 16, it talks about the work of the spirit. And so often when I find people thinking about the work of the spirit, they think about those kind of really precious moments where we sense God's presence. Are those moments in worship? Are those moments where we feel God's love? And and that is right and that's appropriate. But when you look at Romans chapter 8, it says, those who are led by the Spirit of God put to death the misdeeds of the body. So in other words, the work of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life should lead us to holy living. You get that, don't you? You understand that? That is the work of God. So so this is an important one. Choice seven. Who's got the next one? Number seven. Matthew, Matthew 5 verse 9 God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God God blesses those who, who work for peace so we're going to unpack that a little today as part of the communion Rose is going to continue her great work and we have some activity packs for the kids and each week for those of you who don't know the kids stay in most weeks and then occasionally we'll go out and, and follow up some material but all of the activity packs and all of the stuff uh, that you do is related to the topic we, we are discussing every week and we believe the children are smart enough to learn the children are smart enough to pick this up and as part of their activities we encourage you as parents 
to take the activities home with you and discuss them during the week. Because that's actually the biblical responsibility. You do know that, don't you? That we can't delegate the responsibility for teaching our children to the church. The church have a small part, but let's be honest, we're here for an hour and a half every week. You're the ones that have them the rest of the week. You're the ones that the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, as you're walking, as you're talking, as you're putting them to bed, these are the opportunities for you to teach. So we encourage you to do that. Bev's also going to do me a favor. For those who read Bev, and then for any of the other kids, there is a little, little prize. I know Abraham was very keen to see one as well. So if you read, Bev has a little prize for you, and the, the kids have something as well. So let's pick up at verse 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. I think there's a number of sides to being a peacemaker that's really important and working for peace. A couple of weeks ago, Bev looked at the idea of why. Why should we be merciful? And today we're going to look at the idea of how we actually do that. So the why of being merciful is is because it's a discipleship issue. If you turn to Luke chapter 6, you'll see what Jesus said about this. Luke chapter 6. Verse 35 and 36. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. And we can read those words and, and we can make them a, a little bit super spiritual and we can make them a, a little bit detached from, from real life. But when Jesus is talking, he's talking in the context and in a time where Roman soldiers could compel anyone to carry their stuff for at least a mile. So a Roman soldier with the big pointy spears and the swords uh, and all the guards that they had, they could compel any Jewish person or any land that they'd conquered They could say, right, I want you to carry my stuff for a mile. And Jesus goes on and says elsewhere, if someone compels you to do it for one mile, then you do it for two. That's the kind of context that Jesus is talking about. So he's not talking about people who are friends. He's not talking about an easy environment. He's not talking about something that's comfortable. When he's talking about the need for mercy and the need to be compassionate, it's it's about a maturity issue. I remember in Bible college, we had one of the, the leaders uh, come in and talk about dealing kind of instances of pastoral life. And he talked about one time about dealing with an elder in the church who was giving him problems. Thank God I don't have that issue. But he was talking about an elder who was giving him problems. And he was talking about what he was going to say to him and what he was going to do and this is how he was going to deal it. And I'm sitting thinking... Listen, I can do that quite happily in my flesh. I can get angry. I can deal roughly with people. I can get my own way by force. What I need you to teach me (laughs) is how to be merciful, how to be compassionate, how to be Christ-like in dealing with those difficult situations. And that's the challenge, isn't it? And that's the challenge of maturity. Because we, we can all react, can't we? Now, those of you who know the Irish nature know that we're passionate, 
not just about our sports, but it is probably the only time I shout when I shout at the television, particularly when the rugby's on. But we're passionate people, and, and, and sometimes people have said, oh, you're quite angry when you preach. I'm thinking, no, that's not anger, that's, that's passion, because I believe this stuff. But by our nature, we are passionate people. And the danger with that is that passion can overspill into anger, can't it? That passion can overspill into us getting our own way and being demanding. So mercy and compassion in our life is a maturity issue. And you're never going to be spiritually mature if you're not emotionally mature. That's the reality. Doesn't matter how many, how many Bible verses you can quote. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. If you're not emotionally mature, you're not going to be spiritually mature. And so we need to grow in those areas of relationship as well and mercy. Secondly, we, we need to be merciful and compassionate because resentment doesn't work. <laughs> Have you ever tried to hold on to resentment? It, it just eats away at you, doesn't it? It, it makes you actually feel ill. It, it brings that knot in your stomach every time you hear the name of that person or you see that person, you just, you get angry. And, and actually, it does medical, all the medical evidence tells us that it makes you unhealthy. It releases toxins into your body. And, and Job, who by all accounts had every right to be resentful, even from his friends, Remember all his friends, so-called Job's comforters? They were coming around and saying, well, Job, you know, we know God, so if you're suffering, it must be because you have done something wrong. And Job said, no, as far as I can see before God, my heart is clean, my heart is righteous, so there's something else going on here. By the way, next week, uh, we're, we're going to finish the series, and we're going to talk about what, what, where is God in the times of pain, in the times of persecution? Where is God in it and what's he trying to do in it? Because you cannot insulate your life from pain. Is this true? Hello? You cannot insulate your life from pain. We're all going to face pain. So we're going to have to learn how to deal with pain and how to meet God in that. So we'll talk a, a little bit more about this next week. But Job resolved in his own heart that he wasn't going to curse God and die, even though his, his own wife even encouraged him to do that. He knew resentment didn't work. We need to be merciful and forgiving and compassionate because we will need forgiveness at some point. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. But as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I don't know if you realize how serious that is. See, if you're un unwilling to forgive others, then how can God forgive you? That's serious. That's a serious spiritual principle. If we are unwilling to release others and forgive others and deal with that, and I'm not saying that's easy. Most of you know my story. It's not easy to forgive at times, and you will have experienced that as well, but it is possible. Because Jesus says it's possible. We have to forgive others so that we can be forgiven. And then finally, the reason is because God has shown us mercy. I love this verse in Colossians 3. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive. The Lord forgive you, so you must forgive others. 
See, that's, a, that, that's the benchmark that we come to. In a few moments, we'll be taking communion. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then this is an open table. If you're not yet at that place, then you have two options. You either get to that place and you invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and then you can freely take, or you simply don't take of the table. We don't judge, we don't tell you uh, what to do. It's up to you to make that decision before God. And when it comes to children, we uh, let parents make the decision if their children have that place of faith, if they're at that age of understanding, uh, then that's up to you to make that decision uh, for your own family. But we need to make alliances for each other, don't we? We do, because we're human, we make mistakes, we will get things wrong, sometimes we're tired, sometimes we mishear things. How many arguments have been started because we misheard something? Or, or because we misread a text. Or all of these things, is, it's just part of the stuff of life. And we have to make allowances for one another and forgive one another. Rick Warren has a great article called The Seven Characteristics of Mercy. I think this, yeah, it'll be on the PDF uh, that'll go on the website after the service that you can see that. But kids, we want you to, to, to watch the screen because we have a couple of our, our puppet friends and they, they realized that actually they, they, you adults like it as well, don't you? Uh, that's the best smile I've seen all day, Rose. So there's a little bit of story because sometimes we can rub each other up the wrong way. So what do we do in those circumstances? Let's watch the video. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Oh, I am so fed up. Ever since Noah told me to get in this ark, it's been a nightmare. I'm meant to be king of the jungle, you know. And instead, I'm stuck on here with no space and no respect. Camel sleeps one side of me. Well, he's grumpy and lumpy. And then on the other side are two sheep and you have no idea how smelly they can get. There is just not enough room for us all. One of them has to go. So I'm going to call them up and push them over the edge. Don't tell them though. Camel, oh Camel, can you come up here for a minute? Oh, hello. Here you are. I've been looking for you everywhere. Have you? Well, it's not as if I can go very far. Anyway, Cedric, I was wondering if you could help me. I spotted something down there in the water. I don't know what it is. It looked amazing. Can you take a peek for me? Just lean over there a little bit, Cedric. Anything for my main man. But first, I need to say sorry. L later, later. I mean, yes, we can do that later. Look. Just over here, just right over the edge. No, this is important. I know I've been really grumpy. You can say that again. But the truth is, I'm finding it hard on here. I'm used to miles of golden sands, not cramped wooden floorboards, but that's no excuse for getting the hump all the time. Yes, but... So I've got a present for you. You have? Yes. I know that your mane is getting tangled in these cramped conditions, so I asked the woodpeckers to carve you a comb. I've left it on your bed. 
You deserve a treat for putting up with me. But, um... No thanks needed. We have to look after each other on here. Now, I'm going to play Uno. You come in? Actually, Uno is good, but I think because we came on two by two, we should complete duel. Okay. Bagsy on Cheetah's team. Bye. Um, well, that kind of didn't go to plan. What a kind thing to do, but that hasn't solved my problem. Let's try again. Let's, let's try. Sheep, oh sheep, Sean, could you come up here a minute, please? How you doing? Hope everything's fine and dandy, lion. Oh, Sean, that was so bad. But actually, I invited you up here because I'm wondering if you could help me. I spotted something just over there in the water and don't know what it is. It looked amazing. Can you take a peek for me? Just lean over there a little bit. Oh, how exciting. But first, I need to talk to you. Oh, not again. Yes, this is important. I know I've been driving, driving you balmy with my smell. Just slightly. So, I've made a decision. I'm going to have a bath every evening. But you hate water. You say it makes your coat all dry, curly. I know, but I also hate seeing you so unhappy. Oh, I didn't think you'd noticed. Well, to be honest, the peg on your nose was a little bit of a clue. But we need to look after each other on here. Who knows how long this flood is going to last? And I know you would never do anything to hurt me. <coughs> And so, having a daily bath is the least I could do. That is really thoughtful of you. And you're right. Maybe we just need to stop moaning about it and complaining all the time and find ways to help each other and, and get on. Hmm. In fact, Cedric the camel has made me a comb. Why don't you borrow it to tame those curls after your bath? Oh, all this kindness makes me feel like a song. Do you want to sing a song? Where's Cedric? Cedric! I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. It's Kerry who writes the scripts. I just have to do them, you know. You know, that's a, a little bit of a funny story, but the truth is that when you're in close proximity to others, people can rub you up the wrong way, can't they? And it's, it's often where we're nicer to those outside of our family and those closest to us. And it's often our family who gets the brunt of our grumpiness, <clears throat> gets the, the brunt of our anger. And, and that's true for all of us. We're all in that same boat. And that's why it's important in our family life and in our church life that we actually do come to that place of compassion, of mercy, of forgiveness towards one another. The gospel is a gospel of peace. And in a moment, we're going to come to communion. And as we said, this is open for any one of you who are followers of Christ. And there's a couple of verses that I want to just reinforce this idea of God being a peacemaker with us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. <clears throat> Let's pick up at verse 14. Ephesians 2. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. 
He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Therefore, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Unfortunately, we still see some of the hostility played out in our world today. But for those of us who are followers of Christ, we see that the greatest spiritual division has been dealt with by Christ on the cross. Christ himself is our peace. Just think about that. Every barrier between you and God, Christ himself is our peace. Paul goes on to say in Colossians chapter 1, just a couple of books on. Colossians 1 verse 20. This idea of peace again. Let's pick up at verse 19 of Colossians 1. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and the earth. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's the opportunity that everyone has. Everyone has the opportunity to come back into relationship with Christ through his death on the cross. Everyone has the opportunity to come back into peace with God. And Romans 5 verse 1 says that since we've been justified, we've been declared righteous, we have peace with God. That's the benefit of what Christ does for us. No one can accuse us. No one can hold it against us. That's his divine work. That's why we receive forgiveness. That's why we forgive others. That's why we show mercy. And after communion, we're going to just talk very briefly about how we work for peace in our relationships, in our life. So we're going to come and we're going to receive communion together. Uh, Bethany's going to play a song that says, come to the table. And that's the invitation for all of us who are followers of Christ, that we can come to the table. It doesn't mean if you've had a bad week. It doesn't mean if you don't feel worthy. It doesn't mean if you're carrying pain, if you're carrying difficulty. Do you know what? In God's eyes, that's fine. Because the cross is the place of peace. So as we play the song, why don't you come and receive communion? If you'd like to serve someone else, you can do that as well. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful song. It just reminds me of that invitation that Christ offers all of us. Come to the table. It's free. And, and Jesus was always welcoming people in. I, th- I love that verse that's on the wall there. It's the heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the piece of the gospel message. And that's why part of the armor of God is that our feet shod with the gospel of peace. We should be people who bring peace in the situations. So how do we work for peace? If you have your Bible, come with me to Matthew chapter 5 again. Matthew 5 to 7, for those of you who don't know, is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus kind of unpacking. How to live beautifully in a broken world. (laughs) And we live in a broken world, don't we? These are his principles of the kingdom. And this is how he said, the heading a little bit earlier in verse 21, 
is teaching about anger. And this is what Jesus said in verse 23. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So in terms of working for peace, I think we have to put real effort in to make amends where we have wronged another person. See, if we've received forgiveness, and if we know that we have hurt other people, and we all do, so let's not pretend, but if we know that we have hurt another person, and we know that that isn't resolved, we have to make real effort to do that. And, and Jesus is very clear that even in the context of worship, the priority is not singing the songs, it's not even raising our hands, it's not being part of that, it's making the effort to put things right. By the way, there's a, a glitch on our software this morning that we weren't able to resolve. It'll be resolved by next week, which is why you keep seeing that watermark. <clears throat> we need to put in real effort to do that. And it is effort, isn't it? Because as someone has said, people can be unreasonable, <laughs> illogical, all of those things that we know. People are people and we can be the same. So sometimes it takes a real decision and a real effort to do everything we can. Second thing we can do is find in Romans 12, 18. Paul's talking about real relationships and it's one of the reasons I love the Bible. One of the reasons I believe the, the, the Bible is true because it doesn't gloss over the difficult things in life. It doesn't gloss over the challenges. In fact, Paul writes in Philippians 4, he pleads with two women in the church to put their differences right. So he's writing to real situations and picking up at verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can. One version says, as much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Now truthfully, it's not always possible. That, that's the reality of life. We live in a broken world. And even when we try to make amends, there's sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. Many of you know I was never reconciled to my father because he never admitted that he'd done anything wrong in his life, which was quite an astounding claim on his deathbed. So I'd forgiven him. My heart was right before him, but we never really got back that sense of reconciliation because he was never willing to admit he'd done wrong. So it's not always possible and it doesn't always depend on you. What you can do and what you should do and what you must do is to show mercy and forgiveness. But reconciliation is a two-way street. Reconciliation can only occur when the other person also recognizes that what they have done is wrong and then the two can come together. I want to say a special note on making amends, which is on our next slide. Because, no, yep, thank you. It's, it's not always safe to do that face-to-face. Sometimes people say to me, well, I, I know I've done wrong. I, I know I've hurt this person, um, but sh should I do that face to face? Well, it's not always safe to do that. 
It's not always appropriate to do that. There are ways around that, especially by modern communication. It's the heart and the attitude that's important, even if you can't do that uh, face to face. It's not always possible because sometimes people move away. Sometimes we, we lose contact with people. Sometimes we lose touch. Sometimes it's a case of remarriage and actually to, to try and make amends and to do that would cause more difficulty in the situation. So it's not always wise to do that. It's not always wise because if it's gonna cause further hurt or abuse, then it's not appropriate for you to do that. And so making amends and, and working towards peace is not allowing yourself to be put in the situation of further risk, whether that's physical harm or emotional abuse. I think Bev said it a couple of weeks ago as well. We don't believe and we don't practice that someone should be in an abusive situation just because a partner claims to be a Christian. I know there have been some situations where pastors have said that, oh no, your husband says he's a Christian, you have to go back and take that. No, you don't. And that works both ways. Abuse is never appropriate, it's never right. And it's not always wise to do face-to-face or to make amends where that will involve further hurt or abuse in you. So what do we focus on? And, and this is where we draw to a conclusion. We refocus on doing God's will. Refocus on doing God's will. Because if we have a heart to do God's will, there's always a way. <laughs> we, we use it as a proverb, don't we? Where there's a will, there's a way. That is particularly true when it comes to our relationship with God. If we have a heart to do something, we will find a way. If we have a heart to serve God, we will find a way. If we have a heart to obey God, we will find a way. So there's always a way to do that. Hebrews 10.24 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. One version says, let's think of ways that we can spur one another on. Do you know when you receive that message of encouragement? You know when you receive that email? You know when you watch that inspirational video or something that really, can you, yeah, I can do this. Come on, yeah, come on. And you just have to get your mind back in gear. It's the mind's the key. Bev's reading a book at the moment about brain science written from a Christian perspective. She's a girl who's a specialist in this. And basically, neuroscience is now catching up with what the Bible has always said. Renew your mind. <laughs> your mindset is key. So do, do we have a mindset to be merciful to others? That's the why. And do we have the mindset that says, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to work for peace where it's possible, where it depends on me. I'm going to think of ways to motivate other people to acts of good love. See, the, the great thing about this is when you offer forgiveness, when you give forgiveness, and when you're seeking to make amends, it means there's no skeletons in the cupboard. <laughs> there's no skeletons in the cupboard. And you can come to a point in your life and you can come to God and you can say, I've nothing to hide. I may not be perfect. I, I may not be there yet. There's still areas I need to grow in my life, but I've nothing to hide before you. Do you know what? That's worth its weight in gold. When you can come to God and say, God, I'm an open book before you. I'm not carrying unforgiveness. I'm not carrying resentment. I'm not carrying shame. 
because of what's been done to me or what I've done. I've sought to forgive and I've sought to make amends. Can I encourage you that you will come a lot freer to the place of worship, that you will be a lot freer in your relationship with God if you can get to that place. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that 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 peacemaking just works on so many levels. Because Christ has given us peace, we can be at peace with you. But Lord, you also want to work that peace into our relationships. You want us to be people who are working towards peace because it's a Christ-like character. Lord, whatever steps we need to take this week to make amends, I pray you give us courage. I pray you give us discernment. I pray you give us wisdom to do that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. The guys are going to lead us in one final song. Then we're going to come back and do uh, a few announcements. uh, And share a little bit about uh, the mission trip that we've just come back from. Which we won't do on stream. So if you're on stream, God bless you. I'll be putting a little video out on a signal if you're on that. If not, uh, please feel to get get in contact with us uh, and we can post that to you or, or send you that link. So thank you, team, as we do that.
this selected this song because there's something about the grace of God that just enables us to do all these things. So maybe just singing, knowing that you know God has already given us the grace. The grace is available to each and every one of us, even if you don't believe. The grace is available for you through Jesus Christ.
make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're just going to take a seat while we just do a couple of announcements and then share briefly some feedback from the mission trip. So as I've said already, uh, we welcome you. We're glad uh, you made it out this morning. If you're a guest here, then you should have received a welcome pack. Uh, and then that uh, is a visitor's card you can hand in to me or one of the team that you see up front. Uh, and we usually follow up with a text or a little email message uh, just to welcome you. Uh, we have some stuff coming up. Uh, and next weekend is the light party. Um, sort of. Some of you are realizing how much work it's going to be. Well, we don't believe in celebrating Halloween. Why would you celebrate evil? Don't understand that at all. So we're going to celebrate light. Uh, we do have some flyers left. If you know uh, someone who hasn't signed up for that, they can do that. Uh, there's two sessions this year, so they can sign up for one of two sessions. Uh, we have some of those around. They're in the hall, and you can do that, um, or you can contact me for that, but uh, the information's there. We have uh, almost 90 people, over the 90 kids, over two, two sessions plus adults. Uh, so we do need some help if you're able to be, to be part of that. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Please uh, see Bev afterwards. That would be really good. Next slide, thank you. So part of what we do and, and engage in is, is, is prayer, and we, we believe that that's important. So we have a number of things that, that we do regularly for prayer. On Sunday mornings from 9.30, a few of us will meet uh, in the other building in the ark, and we'll just pray for a few minutes, uh, pray for people coming to the service, uh, pray for the service, pray for the things that are going on. Everyone is welcome to that. Uh, it's very informal, very relaxed, and you can do that. And then every week um, on Wednesdays, Grace also leads an online prayer meeting on Zoom um, that you're all welcome to. And then it's not on there, but once a month we have our encounter nights, which are extended times of, of worship and prayer, because uh, we don't always get a time to do that on a Sunday morning, of course. So we encourage you to, to plug into those. Part of our worship, of course, is giving as well. Uh, we encourage those of you who are regulars uh, to do that. If you're a guest, then there's a number of ways you can do that. Uh, there's an envelope at the back and a, a small brown box. You can do that. You can scan the uh, QR code. Uh, it's on screen for you. Uh, you can do it via the website. We, we really appreciate those of you who give faithfully. It allows us to do the ministry that we do. It allows us to be a blessing both here. It allows us to do the light party. It allows us to do stuff that we do in Pakistan uh, and in Nigeria as well uh, as other countries. So God bless you for that. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.